0: Please turn with me to the book of Luke. And as Julian mentioned earlier, um, yes, I realize that probably the the handful, not even the handful that is on Facebook found out that this morning I'm just going to take a brief departure uh, from our series on the full armor of God. I just, uh, earlier in the week, I just felt the Lord drop this into my heart. Uh, about excuses. Excuses. And uh, I want to just share this message. You can let the Lord use it as uh, it fits with your life. But I know that in every word that I preach, everything that the Lord drops in my heart, I have to submit to the Lord and say, Lord, you nailed me on this. And Uh, none of us are exempt from the Word. When the Word of God is preached, it is preached to hopefully soften our hearts to Him. David Wilkerson made the observation and said at one point, the Word of God will do two things, one of two things when it is preached. It will either harden you or it will soften you. It is all up to you how you allow it to work in your life. And I trust that this morning you will allow the Word of God to, in fact, soften you. Um, we all know some of the excuses, right, in school. Um, the one that, that probably somewhere along the way, I could never use this one growing up, but my dog ate my homework. You know, um, I never had a dog, so I, I couldn't do that. You know, the excuse of, oh, I forgot it at home, when in fact, in reality, you didn't actually do the homework, which is why you left it at home. You didn't forget it at home. You left it at home. I, that was one of mine, because I couldn't use the dog thing, and it was kind of funny. Uh, now my, our two daughters go to school with another family that lives close by. And uh, they have two dogs now, and they just got this, I can't remember which dog it was, but just recently got a little one. And this past year, quite literally, one of the dogs chewed the homework of this kid. So she really could show up to school and say, my dog ate my homework. But, you know, we have excuses in school. We have excuses for everything. We even, sadly, use those excuses with, in, in the kingdom of God. Sometimes we try to do that and put those excuses over on God and it doesn't really work. We can't allow the enemy to get in with excuses in our lives. Uh, the Bible says this, and we're going to read in the Scripture in just a moment, uh, but the Bible tells us that the people of God over in the book of Haggai actually made excuses for themselves. And here was their excuse for not building the, the, the temple of the Lord. The Bible says this, and I know you're in Luke, just stay in Luke, but let me read this to you. The Bible says in verse 2 of chapter 1 of the book of Haggai, this is what the Lord Almighty says, these people say the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Nothing more than an excuse they weren't, and maybe we could uh, go down and close one of the doors that lead up they're getting I'm getting their sound they're, I know they're getting my sound, uh, so we could maybe at least just muffle it slightly. Um, but they made excuses. Their excuse was, well, it's not time yet. I love that. you know it's not, it's not time for us to to do that It's not time for us to to really take care of the house of God. It's not time for us to reach out to a world that is lost and dying. It's not time to do that. And we have all kinds of excuses that we try to use on God, and yet they're nothing more than excuses. What's an excuse? Well, let's see what, since we often, at least I hope, sometimes go to Webster's Dictionary, uh, which is now an electronic format, and I'm grateful for that, Uh, Webster's Dictionary defines an excuse as this. First it is to, first definition he has is to make an apology for. Okay, that's not so bad. But the next one that follows up, it's like 1A and 1B. This is 1B of the first definition. Most often teachers will want you to take the first definition of this particular word but it just depends on the context and how you use it but the next part of this first definition is to try to remove blame from so the idea is is that we often use excuses to try to remove the blame from ourselves For things that really are ours. We see it all around the world. We see, you know, somebody commits a crime, plead insanity. Wasn't my fault. It was somebody else's fault. Why? Because I'm talking to five different people in my head. It was one of those other people. Oh, clearly it's not your fault. We try to shift the blame. It's society's fault. Well, I don't have a job. It's the government's fault. I don't have this. It's somebody else's fault. Clearly it's all the rich people over there. They're they're the ones hogging up all the cash. You know, we have all kinds of excuses when the bottom line is sometimes we are simply excuse makers and it has to stop in order for things to change in our lives and change in and through what God wants to do in our lives. Another definition, part of the definition is It is to forgive entirely or disregard as of trivial import. It's an interesting thing. I like that part of the definition, disregard as of trivial import. In other words, it seems as though that's what the people of God did in the book of Haggai. It was trivial to them that the house of God had not been built. And yet all the while as they're going through, and you'd have to read Haggai later on, they're building their own houses. They're living in in their own kinds of places. They've rebuilt their houses. But the house of God is left standing in disrepair and it has been ruined. And God is saying it's time to get up and do something. Another part of the definition is this, it is to serve as an excuse for, or in other words, to try to justify something. So sometimes we will seek an opportunity to justify a particular thing, when in reality it is nothing more than an excuse to to be able to do something that we either want to do or don't do something we don't want to do or all of those things. I, I, I know that in life, most of us spend a great deal of time pursuing what it is we want to do and shunning those things that we don't want to do. I recognize... That in life, it's nice to do the things you want to do. But from time to time, how many know, you've got to get down, get dirty, and do the things that you really don't feel like doing. I want you to know that when it translates into the kingdom of God, do you know that there is blessing in that? But there is no blessing in excuse making. Somebody, listen to this, somebody, a fellow uh went next door to borrow his neighbor's lawnmower. Uh, The neighbor said he couldn't use the mower because all the flights had been canceled from New York to Los Angeles. The The borrower asked what canceled flights from New York to L.A. has to do with borrowing his lawnmower. And finally, the man said, it doesn't have anything to do with it, but I don't want to let you use my lawnmower. One excuse is as good as another, the neighbor said. And that is actually true. We can use one excuse in one area, and you know, it doesn't really matter what excuse you assign to the particular thing that you don't want to have happen. You're going to find a way, aren't you? You're going to find an excuse to somehow extricate yourself out of the situation that, that's just all of a sudden heating up. You're going to find an excuse not to confront something. You're going to find an excuse not to confront sin in your life. You will find an excuse not to come to the house of God. You'll find, And it's strange, the people who probably need this message the most aren't here. I said that when I posted to the church's Facebook page. I said that as well. Those who probably need the message the most will not be here. We find excuses for everything. I sometimes wonder if the excuses that we give God sound as ridiculous as the one that I just repeated to you. But I think probably it sounds even worse from time to time. But let's go now and let's look at Luke chapter 14, and I'm going to read down through to, ver- uh, starting at verse 16, and uh, if, if um, we're going to read this, and then we're going to go through a little bit of this, we're going to come back to it uh, throughout the message a little bit, and we're just going to uh, go to some other verses of Scripture as well, but the Bible says this, starting at Luke chapter 14, verse 16. And Lynette, welcome back. I knew she couldn't stay away long. I just turn around. Lynette's here, all right. How can I how can I not say anything? I I, I can't. She's back. But don't get don't get happy, all happy. She's headed back to North Carolina. She the grass is greener in North Carolina right now, I guarantee you. Yeah. Oh, except for the church. Oh, I I don't don't have no money to give you. you Sorry for that comment, but praise the Lord. Amen. Good to see Lynette today. Uh, Verse 16 of Luke chapter 14, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. They began to make excuses. Now, I realize I used Webster's Dictionary to give you a a definition of how we use the word excuse in our English language. But remembering that the New Testament was written in, in Greek. The definition as it derives or is derived from the Greek and and is found in the Greek is this. It is to beg or to make excuses. Now notice this. Also, it is to refuse. Hmm. That digs a little bit deeper actually than what Webster dug who I believe was a, was a believer a Christian but in the original language that the new testament was written they began you could actually sort of change this a little bit as they're making excuses that they were making refusals it's all an excuse it's a refusal to do whatever it is that the individual is requesting you to do. And in this case, this man, as Jesus tells this parable, a parable is a fictional story with a point, with something that we are to, uh, to take from. He is, they, the Bible says that they are making excuses. Now, let's listen to some of them. We're not going to get into them too heavily and too, deep, too deeply. But the Bible says in verse 18, the first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another one said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I just bought a new car. i got to go pick it up. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still, another said, I just got married, so clearly I can't come. I gotta check with the wife first. She doesn't really care for you so much, so we won't be there. No, but he says, I just got married, I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done. Notice this, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in. The King James, I think, says, and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. So that my house will be full. We're going to touch a little bit on the idea of church attendance and being here. There's no, no getting away from that. In fact, I think in this parable, I think it was a concern of the master who was giving, the man who was giving the banquet, that people actually come and that they sit at the table and they partake of the blessings that he was going to freely give to them. There is no indication in this parable that this man is charging for anything. There is nothing in here that indicates that the man was going to try to now extract it to benefit dinner. So come with your checkbook ready. No, there was none of that. It wasn't anything like that. He was just inviting people to a special banquet because he wanted to bless them and he wanted to help them and be a part of their lives. And what was he met with? He was met with excuses by those who decided that there was something more important. Y'all can say amen. It's all right. One of the commentators, as I was just studying for this message, had, had a line that I just I couldn't get away from. It's so good. And it's this. It sort of encapsulates the 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 whole the, the three excuse makers. And it just kind of it kind of puts them in perspective and puts their, what was going on in their hearts in perspective. And they said this, in each of the following excuses, we are dealing with personal preoccupation rather than with a reasonable priority. Let me say that again. In each of the following excuses, we are dealing with a personal preoccupation rather than with a reasonable priority sometimes our excuses to get ourselves out of certain things is nothing more than we are personally preoccupied with something else to the point where we cannot pull our minds away from those things to be able to do something for the kingdom of God something that will last something that will be be forever listen I want to tell you sometimes I you know Bobby comes and he cleans the church every week he is here just about every week because he you know he comes from work and he comes here and there are times where I know that Bobby could either he could either be going home because he works the graveyard shift he could either be going home and getting into bed a little bit earlier than maybe you know he's used to or he could be doing something else running errands he could be doing different things and yet he comes and he does that there could be excuse after excuse on a regular basis on a weekly basis but Often there is not, and I want to, this is not a moment to lift Bobby up because there's enough to keep him, you know, down low where we all live. But I want you to know I appreciate that. I appreciate those who work around here and do things around here. We can allow from time to time the personal preoccupations to rob us from the blessings that God has in store for us simply because we want to just give an excuse to get out of it so I can go pursue my own desires and my own things. There's nothing wrong with your desires. Nothing wrong with hobbies. I got them. I don't do nearly half of my hobbies, but I got some. And it's all right to have those things. But I want you to know that, brothers and sisters, we are trying to build the kingdom of God one person at a time. There's another message brewing in my heart about that, about one at a time, one at a time. And I I don't know if it will be next week or if it will be sometime down in the future, but I believe with all my heart that God has something in store for us that He wants to use us with. And oftentimes excuses run interference and they get in the way of our being a. Effective for the kingdom of God. So excuses rob you of some things, and we're going to go through those things. The first thing that excuses do is excuses rob you of the blessing of fellowship. They rob you of the blessing of fellowship, and really fellowship in two directions. The first direction is with one another. Listen to what the Bible says, and if you want, just turn over there. I know that we quote this scripture often. And sometimes this scripture is used, you know, to encourage you to be in attendance in, the, in church, but I really I don't see any other application for it, quite honestly. I don't see any other application for us to use this scripture than to fellowship with one another. Hebrews 10, verse 25. Go over to Hebrews 10 and verse 25, and I want us to see this. We're going to read this. And I want you to just see what the writer of Hebrews was encouraging those who were actually persecuted for their faith. Some of them were, and he was writing to Hebrew Christians, Christians who had come out of Judaism. And the temptation was, was for them because of the uh, the refusal of their family to uh, to even allow them to be part of the family once they became believers. When they became believers, they were cast out. They were disowned. If they had a large inheritance before, it all just came right down to zero and nothing. And the writer is trying to encourage them to stay strong, to hold fast with the profession of their faith. And he says this, and here's how you're going to do it. You're not going to do it alone. You're not going to do it by just sitting home and saying, well, I'm just going to trust Jesus all by myself, all alone in my home. I'm going to get in front of the recliner. Well, let me Sunday morning, let me turn on the TV and see what kind of Christian TV. I want to tell you something. If you're using that as your source, I want you to know that God has designed the local church for a purpose. It is for us to have a little bit of face time with one another. So before I read this scripture, I was listening to a message by uh, Francis Chan recently. He spoke at a pastor's conference in New York, uh, Times Square Church, and they streamed the message uh, to you know over the internet. And I was watching a little bit of his message during the day, and he said a friend of his told him the danger. And I, I you know, we talk about Facebook. I'm on Facebook, not very much. I, please don't invite me to play any games. I'm not interested. I will flatly refuse it. I will flatly deny, you know, ignore it. But I'm on there for a purpose and for a reason. One, to connect to my family and friends that I haven't seen a million years ago. And then to put a presence, another presence out there for the church. Bottom line, that's it. And, and I, but he said one of the great dangers of Facebook for young people has been this. We don't know how to relate to one another face to face. We don't. Because now it's anonymous, or it's not even anonymous, it's, you know, you know who the other person is on the other side, but they're sitting miles away behind, behind, all, behind their computer screen and it's so much easier to say things that are stupid, to, to, to say ridiculous things over the internet than it is when you're face to face with somebody. It's so easy to get caught up in this kind of mindset where we're, we, don't, we don't know how to have a conversation with one another anymore. We can, you know, it's, it's becoming the little shortened kind of conversation that we have on the internet or through email or through texting or all of those things. But we need FaceTime, and that's what fellowship is all about. We need to be with one another. Hebrews 10 and verse 25, it says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. I remember a number of years ago meeting a man, Pastor, Pastor Mpagli and I met a man uh, outside of the, the old building that we had on Irving Park Road. And he came by, he had a big fat Bible in his hand. Sadly was wearing no shirt and shorts on the hot summer day and felt like selling, just put the shirt on, my brother. Uh, you're not there. And uh, but, you know, anyway, you know, we got in conversation with a guy and he said, well, you know, I've got this particular one study Bible. You know, he says, you know, this study Bible. And, and, and this, of course, this pastor, he said, where do you go to church? Oh, I don't, do, I don't go to church. What do you mean you don't go to church? No, no, you know, I, all I need is this study Bible. That's it. And he walked down the street. He said, no, you you need church. The Bible says so. And I remember Pastor quoting this verse of Scripture to him. He was like, no, no, that was for then. That's not for now. I'm amazed at how many people, they make the excuse. Here's another one. It was for then, not for now. It's an amazing thing. You read the Bible, it says something, and then we excuse it away. We say, that's not for me. That's not for my situation. That's not for today. Brothers and sisters, the Bible says, as some are in the habit of doing, but here's why we need to meet together. Let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day, capital D in the NIV, the day approaching. There is a day that is coming, a day of judgment, a day that is approaching this world that people will not be able to escape. How are you and I going to be able to handle being able to escape? The only way is to be in fellowship with one another and fellowship with God. We need one another. I realize that maybe you walked in here today and said, well, I don't need anybody. I just come because I like to. (laughs) I'm glad you come because you like to. But yes, you do need one another. We all need you. You need us. Everybody, you look around you this morning, you have to recognize, say, well, pastor, I'm not sure what I, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I hate to ask anybody for anything. I'm that way. I don't like to ask anybody for anything. But I want you to know today, it's not a matter of coming to church, asking people for things. It's coming to church together, greeting somebody with a smile, coming up alongside of them, and just letting them know, hey, I'm here with you. We're in this thing together. We're we're riding this boat together. We're going to work together in the kingdom of God. We've got to have one another. We have got to meet. And listen, excuses keep us away from being together as we should. Now, I could go a whole lot longer on this topic, but please, you got to pray for me right now that I don't. But somebody wrote this. This is is really funny. Uh, I stopped going to ball games for the following reasons, which could apply just as easily to why I could stop going to church. Number one. Whenever I go to a game, they ask for money. The other fans don't care about me. Hmm. How many of us have thought that? Nobody cares what I'm going through. The seats are too hard. Well, you can't make that excuse here. Thank God. The coach never visits me. Oh, The referee makes calls I disagree with. How many decisions have been made that well, I don't like that? I, that's terrible, and we get bitter. We get bitter. We get nasty. I don't like that. Referee makes calls I disagree with. Some of the games go into overtime and make me late for dinner. The band plays songs I don't know. Well. It, if you've been coming to this church any amount of time, I guarantee you, you know our songs. We're fixing to change that, by the way, too, with God's help, with the Lord's help. Thank God for Caleb and Mervyn and Julian. And Brandon, who sits here on the front row making sure we don't get too loud. I have other things to do at game time. He's our excuse, mate. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. Ah! Oh, how did I? You know, it's so funny how how things have have come right around full circle. I remember just being, I don't want to go to church Sunday morning as a kid, you know? As a kid. And now I'm dragging my two kids with me. You know, it just, it's the way, it, it took me to too many. I know more than the coaches do anyway. I can be just as good a fan at the lake. I won't take my kids to a game either, I promise, because they've got to choose for themselves what teams to follow. Oh, man. And that, that's comical in many ways, and yet it's more about church than it is about a ball game. I don't know of anybody who has written that kind of list about any kind of ball game. We will, in fact, we find excuses to go to the ball game rather than to be in the house of God. Amen? We find ways to get out of the the house of God and to extract ourselves from it. But God says, you've got to find a way to get to the house of God. Don't don't find excuse you're making excuses give up the excuses because the the bottom line is you're going to be robbed of a blessing the blessing of fellowship with one another Luke 14 in verse 16 if you're in Luke if you're not go back there Luke 14 in verse 16 I want you to notice something because excuses rob you of your fellowship not only with one another but with God Verse 16 of Luke 14, it says, Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. It was the master of the house who gave the invitation. I'm not the one giving the invitation to church, folks. I just know how important it is for us to gather together but we're not here just for one another we're not here just to be able to you know to look each other in the eye and say it's good to see you today and i'm glad that you're here it's not just for that but we're here to meet with god earlier we had we just we had a rejoicing time together a, a Just a time of rejoicing with Leona, rejoicing with what God has done and how God has brought healing. I want you to know it's a wonderful thing, but in the end, it's all because we want to communicate with God. We want to be with Him, and He wants to be with us. You see, the invitation has not come from me as the pastor, though I might extend it once again from time to time. If I don't see your faces in church, I want you to know I I will come at you at least just for a moment and just find out what in the world's going on that's keeping you away and I'll extend the invitation because the master has extended the invitation to us and he has said it's time to come and to meet with me. You see, in the Old Testament, when they built the the temple, the great temple of Solomon, it was not even necessarily a place where people would go and that would be for them to fellowship there. They knew the temple was for one purpose and one purpose only. It was to communicate with God. It was to get a hold of God. It was to cry out to Him. It was to bring your burdens to the Lord. It was to bring your sacrifices to the Lord and lay it before Him. I don't think much has changed. Say, well, pastor, I can, I can, you know, worship God wherever I am. Yes, and I hope you do. I, I hope that you also recognize that sometimes excuses run into your life, not just to keep you away from, from the house of God, but sometimes the excuses keep you away from the presence of God in your daily life. I'm ah, just so busy. Oh, really? You're really that busy? You're really so busy you can't take five minutes and just say, God, I'm depending on you. God, I need you because you'll be, you'll be amazed at how quickly five minutes turns into ten and how, how ten will turn into fifteen when you really start communing with him and God starts speaking to you and he starts touching you and blessing Well, I got blessed. Thank God. That's all I need. I don't need any more for the next week, next two weeks. Wrong. You see, the Bible lets us know that, that when we come into His presence, we, we've got to come back. It's kind of like how we take our meals. You're not going to eat after church today and say, well, I'm, I'm good till next Sunday. No way. There isn't anybody in this room who's going to do that. No, instead, you, you know, somewhere along the line, later tonight, if you don't eat too much after church today, you'll be finding a way to eat something else look at me. I find a way. <laughs> right? We make, you know, we find, this is where we, the excuse making, we find excuses to go for more food. Just give me an excuse to get to the refrigerator. You see, God wants us and he is calling us. He's inviting us. The master invited so many people and there were people who said, oh, I, got, I got better things to do. I am preoccupied with my life. There wasn't any kind of reasoning that, that they could hold to and say this is a valid, valid reason. No, none of the excuses that were made in the, this chapter held up to the master. In fact, you will find that the master's response to their excuses was that of anger. I don't know that God gets angry when you choose something else. I don't know if he does, but I do know this, that I believe that his desire and his heart is to be with you and, or, and, and when you are not, when you choose some preoccupied thing in, instead of being with him, I wonder if his heart isn't more hurt than angered. I wonder if somewhere along the way God doesn't say, I want to be with you. Now, excuses rob you of something else. It robs you of the blessing of obedience. The blessing of obedience. Go over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. And we don't have time. I realize time is getting away from us here. We don't have time to read the whole thing. 1 Samuel 15, but there was a great, great Old Testament excuse maker. In fact, there were a couple of them. But one of them missed the blessing. One of them woke up and did what God wanted them to do and didn't miss out on the blessing. Interestingly, the one who missed out on the blessing was God's anointed. The one who got the blessing after at first refusing and making excuses was somebody outside of the household of Israel. But in 1 Samuel 15, we have the story of King Saul when he was given the command to go and completely wipe out the Amalekites. Verse 2, the Bible says this uh, through the prophet Samuel, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. One of the battles that the people of Israel had to fight in the wilderness was against the Amalekites. Now here, a Hundred few hundred years later, God is saying, the cup of iniquity is full. This people is indeed so wicked that right now, here is my judgment, Saul. You've got to go and you've got to wipe them out. I'm going to use you for that. Now go, verse 3, go and attack the Amalekites. Totally destroy everything that belongs to them. Do not spare them. Put to death men, women, children, infants, cattle, sheep, camels, and donkeys. So Saul went out to battle. Let's jump down a little bit further, and let's go down to verse 8. And remember what Saul is supposed to do, wipe it out. This people, they, they, are, they are being judged by God, get rid of them. Verse 8, he took Agag king of the Amalekites alive. And all his people he totally destroyed with the sword. Verse 9, but Saul and the army spared Agag and the best of the sheep and the cattle, the fat calves and lambs. Everything that was good, these they were unwilling to destroy completely, but everything that was despised and weak, they totally destroyed. And then God says, verse 11, I'm grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. His excuses, now we're going to get to his excuses in a minute, but here's what happened. All of a sudden, Saul sees something that he wants. He's personally preoccupied. One, I don't know what he was preoccupied with that king over and why he would spare the king at all, but nonetheless, maybe it was to rub it in his face. Maybe it was to parade him through the streets of the city. We don't really know, but that was not God's instruction. Now, jump down a little bit further. Verse 14. But Samuel said, or verse 13: When Samuel reached him, Saul said, The Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears? What is the lowing of the cattle? Saul answered, the, uh, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice here it is to the Lord your God but we totally destroyed the rest. We we're going to have a put a spiritual use to this. God needed this. If God had needed that, he would have said so from the get-go. He would have said so at the beginning, but instead God said get it out. Say, well, I, you know, I'm just, I I can't do anything about the sin that I'm involved in, and I'm just going to let it stay there. Because when God delivers me, it's going to be a wonderful, powerful testimony. I want to tell you something. That's not what the Word says. The Word says if your arm offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, get it, gouge it out, get rid of it. Don't let sin exist. Don't let anything stay there. Forget about what kind of testimony you can have. You can have a greater testimony by doing what God has told you to do right then and right there. Don't make excuses for sin. Don't make excuses for doing what it is that you want to do. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, we get down further into this. And Saul, it just makes one excuse after another. He he makes a spiritual excuse and then he realizes that's not going to hold any water. And then all of a sudden he says, but I was afraid of the people. He says, I was afraid I'm excusing myself because of what the people might think of me as their king. God wasn't concerned about what the people would think of Saul. God was concerned about what Saul would do in response to his command. That is the essence of your relationship with God. Brothers and sisters, don't let excuses rob you of your obedience to the Lord. I believe with all my heart that God has called us to obey Him. He has called us to reach out to a lost and a dying world and yet there are times where we excuse ourselves from doing anything simply because we think that we've got a better plan. Saul thought that he had a better plan and so he made excuses to put his agenda, his plan into action. And I want you to know that there is no plan like God's plan. God has the best plan. God is the one who is in control. I don't have time to finish this message today. We'll finish it next week. But I believe with all my heart today that you and I have to get a hold of God and say, God, there are no more excuses. There can't be any more excuses in my life. I can't allow excuses to get in the way. Sometimes we make it spiritual. And, you know, we, we make it this... this really, in the bottom line is, if we're going to be honest, just be honest about the thing. Be honest about what it is. God told him to do something. He refused to do it and made excuses. Well, really, we know from Scripture, from the New Testament Greek, that that's what an excuse is. It is a refusal. Don't refuse God. Let's not make excuses. I believe with all my heart that God has better things in store for us if we will just give ourselves to say, yes, Lord. You know, we sing that little chorus from time to time. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. We sang the chorus, the hymn this morning, I Surrender All. And sometimes I think that what God is asking of us is simply a sign of surrender. It's Him saying, you know, I haven't seen enough surrender from you. You've made excuse after excuse after excuse. And you know what the bottom line is? None of the excuses hold any kind of weight with God. Absolutely nothing. Saul lost the kingdom simply because he had his own agenda. He tried to excuse himself in the faith and to think that somehow maybe God would be okay with it. You know what? God's got a plan in store for your life, but you've got to let him accomplish it in your life his way. We can't allow excuses to get in the way. Let's bow our heads right now.